we put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Hey everyone, Michael Antonovich with Swap Moto Live, bringing you this episode of the Fly Racing Swap Moto Podcast. When the indefinite postponement of the 2020 Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship came out today, we called our contacts at MX Sports for more details. No, the race season will not kick off in the middle of July like we expected, but it's not all bad news. Our main conversation was with events organizer Tim Cotter, and it answered a lot of the questions that many of us have thought about over the last few weeks. Tim is one of the guys we see at every round of the Outdoor Series, and his role in the newly formed race leadership team means that he's discussed and planned for every possible scenario this summer. During our talk, Tim explained that the current plan is to start the season at some point in August and to hold a minimum of six races, but that could be as many as nine, all of which depends on how these next few weeks play out. Yes, there will be restrictions and requirements in place at the track, something we had long assumed but hadn't heard directly from MX Sports until now, all of which were addressed. If you come to the races, don't expect much interaction between yourself and the pros, nor the usual mass gathering at the podium after each moto. And for those of you wondering, wearing a face covering will be encouraged but not mandatory. One of the biggest details of the talk with Tim was that MX Sports intends to announce races 30 days ahead of time, and that we should expect some more information to come out in mid-July about the start of the summer series. Be sure to bookmark SwapMotoLive.com on your website browser, follow SwapMotoLive.com on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for more content from the pro races. Thanks for getting on the phone with me. It's been a very eventful day, especially with everything going on with MX Sports, uh, GNCC Racing, Loretta's that's coming up. Uh, but today's announcement is pretty big with the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship. What led you guys to make this decision to indefinitely postpone the start of the season? Well, first, thanks for having me on today. Um, and and this has been a, a really, really challenging time for all of us. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we all came to work on Monday Um with the plan, and, and uh, we were actually loading trucks and getting ready to head to Indiana to, to kick off the season. And in light of what's going on uh, with the spikes and, and the increased cases, rec- recorded of cases around the country, um, we, uh, we felt that we ought to, you know, take a little closer look at things. Um, and actually, you know, to be totally transparent, um, Today is uh, what Wednesday, so Tuesday morning, early Tuesday morning, um, a colleague, uh, Roy Jansen, uh, sent me a text early in the morning and said, you know, we need to, we ought to get on the phone and talk. And so I, I pulled Davey in and, and Roy and I early Tuesday morning and uh, looking at what's going on and uh, with Texas uh, going backwards in phase, although we don't race in Texas. Um, that is a you know telltale sign of what's happening in the world. Uh, Arizona, of course, California, particularly areas of California that that uh, didn't have huge numbers before are are seeing increased numbers. And then you know Florida is all over the news, and so New York adding states to their do not travel list. Uh, just all those things combined um, made us 
really take a step backwards and say, okay, what we don't want to happen is for us to get started and then have to stop. Um, Indiana, uh, the Indiana uh, back to work program is clear. Uh, we are, we are, uh, we can have that race there today if we wish. Uh, that we can go race in Indiana uh, with uh, social distancing and uh, spectators at 50%. Um, Florida is still okay. As early as yesterday afternoon, uh, the, the track owner at Florida, along with his marketing team, uh, met with the mayor of Jacksonville. Uh, and just to make sure that, you know, we're getting down to the wire, are we still good? And the mayor of Jacksonville indicated, yes, you are good. Um, and as many of you know, you watch the news uh, that, that the mayor of Jacksonville recently implemented a, a mask. Uh, you had to wear masks uh, when indoors. You you know, a lot of people took that as that everyone would have to wear a mask at, at the national. That's not necessarily the case. Um, but in light of all that, um, we felt just to, to take a step backwards and say, you know, let's let's not get started and then have to stop. Um, and we can still get a significant number of rounds in uh, if we start in mid-August. And uh, so... Uh, we met with teams. We we took advice from uh, some of our key partners, our OEMs, uh, NBC, who is a uh, a key partner of ours, and uh, we made the decision last evening, late last evening, that uh, we need to push the pause button on uh, Pro Motocross for this year. Um, the idea is to to start uh, in mid August and uh, see where it goes from there, you know, and, and to make sure that we feel confident that we can get uh, a substantial number of rounds in uh, to, to have a national championship. With everything going on, I had heard last night even as, about that phone call too, the plan to push back until August, but then good on you guys to not announce dates because that just kind of puts you in a situation if – eventually you do have to postpone things even further, build up a lot of people's hype, and then you have to go through and tell them again, hey, you know, we're not going racing at this time. You know, it's so hard. Uh, it's it's really, really hard um, to do any type of planning. Um, you know, out of this building, we manage the Loretta Lynn program, uh, has about 70 events uh, throughout the year the GNCC program with 13 races, the outdoor pro motocross program, uh, Lucas Oil AMA pro motocross championship with 12 races. You throw in the Daytona amateur supercross and, uh, ATV motocross. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of complexity to our schedules. And, uh, you know, we're on like, uh, schedule, Z or double A or double D by now. Uh, we've gone through a lot of if-then uh, statements, a lot of scenarios, and it changes. Sometimes these schedules change three times in a day. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we are very fortunate that um, the, the approach we took, the leadership approach we took, uh, was we created a, what we call the RLT, the Race Leadership Team. And those are our, our executive team, uh, and we added in uh, some folks from AMA, 
uh, in our executive team, and we meet every Monday. Uh, every Monday morning, we're on a Zoom call religiously, and we talk about you know where we were, where we are now, where do we think we're going. Um, we added uh, um, we added a, a, an expert to our team that all he does is uh, monitor state and local governments where we race. And, you know, when we were back in the area qualifier business and, and all those other series I just spoke about, you know, that's a, that's probably a hundred to 110 different local jurisdictions that we were trying to monitor to, to make sure that we were approved and able to go race in different communities. Now, when we lost the area qualifier program, that significantly dropped the number of municipalities that we're looking at. Um, but, but we are, you know, we're looking at every municipality. We're looking at not only, you know, it's so different because the states, if, if we were all working under one document, uh, it would be easier, but we're not. The states all have different documents and they have different ways of stating it. Some are super clear um, where you don't need any interpretation. Others are not so clear where you need interpretation and you have to go to local governments. And, and as you know, uh, motocross races are not in metropolitan areas. They're oftentimes in rural areas that, um, that are a bit unsophisticated. Uh, you know, for instance, if you read the Tennessee state, Tennessee law, uh, it says these restrictions or these guidelines apply except for and they name off six counties. Um, well, those counties get to make their own rules because they have a, a full-on health department, and it's usually counties that where Nashville is or where uh, Memphis or Knoxville or, or places like that. So it's just not as simple to open up a book and say, this is what I can and can't do. You really have to interpret it. Um, so it has been super challenging uh, to, to figure out where we are are able to race and where we're not able to race the program that you guys have put together the race leadership team i followed every press release that you guys have put out i applaud you for everything you guys have done because you've set the tone for every track pretty much in the country on how they needed to reopen you guys have involvement around the country trying to see the motos for loretta's so it has to be a universal thing and and good on you guys for tackling it the way that you tackled it on that point especially for pro motocross right now, all these local promoters, the Washougals, the Ironmans, the Southwicks, South uh, spring Creek, they're all in constant communication with their local health departments too. There's nothing that they can do without approval from them, which is what's put you guys in that situation of not being able to announce anything, but those first two races, right? Uh, yes. And no. Um, uh, first of all, the race leadership team that, that created the safe to race task force, um, we, the race leadership team early in on in this deal, we knew that no one was going to get us back to work other than us, mm -hmm. right? The federal government, the state government, there's no local, local government that's going to knock on Spring Creek's door and say, Hey, John and Greta Martin, uh, we created this safe to race motocross document for you. And this is how you, you need to go conduct your business. Every, every municipality, every state agency was overwhelmed and had no idea, 
you know, they were just having a hard enough time figuring out how they were going to run their state forward. So, um, you know, Kerry and Davey uh, set out to, to put a team together that would create a document. And, and it was very clear from the get-go that that document was available to anybody who wanted it. Car racing, motor, uh, motorcycle racing, go-kart racing, whatever. Because we feel that, that it, the more racing out there, the better it's going to be for all of us. Um, and so we are very proud of, of what we were able to accomplish there. And, and those 42 people that were on that task force worked their butts off to, to create a document that was cross-referenced to the CDC and the World Health Organization. So, so yeah, that was really, really good. Um, the second part of your question was that, that, you know, the next thing we have to do is go train our, our organizers who are not uh, a fixture at city hall. Uh, many of them don't have never been to a city council meeting or a, a county health board uh, or what have you. And that's why the, the U S motorsports association government relations team uh, was very instrumental on giving us guidelines and tips and the zoom calls. We, we've had a number of, of zoom calls with our organizers. Once we empowered them with the, the document, we gave them direction on how to go, what to do with the document now. Um, and, and, you know, some areas, uh, we, we do have the ability to go racing. Um, we were, we were a bit timid to announce a full schedule because we knew there would be changes. Um, but our, our goal was to, to be able to announce a schedule 30 days out. Um, that if we if we gave everyone at least thirty days notice, we felt we could we could make it work. Um, the manufacturers and our teams agreed that that they could deal with thirty days. Our organizers felt that with thirty days notice that they could sell enough tickets and and get their ball rolling. Um, and we do have a some tentative dates, you know, where we we are hopeful that tracks can meet those dates. Um, but I'm glad we didn't. I'm glad we didn't put out there that Colorado could run on a certain date or that Washougal could run on a certain date, because in some cases, these states have rolled back their phase plan or stifled their phase plan due to the, the sudden spike in cases. So, you know, like I said, every day is, uh, you know, a, a different day. I, I, I asked our team last night when we, when we finally hung up the call to, to, with the decision that we were going to push the pause button, I said, "Just let me ask you guys: Did did Tuesday end better than Monday?" And how, how there were crickets, like? crickets on the phone. And uh, I said, "No, really, because I went to bed Monday night feeling pretty sick at my stomach uh, with the uncertainty, and I went to bed Tuesday night uh, and slept a little better because." we do have a bit of more certainty now that, that we're going to push to uh, hopefully mid-August is where we'll get back to work. Mm -hmm. With the Supercross restarting, you know, everything that they had said, especially as they announced the rollback to racing was, we know we need to do this because it's such an influential thing for the power sports and the Supercross and professional motocross racing industry. You guys are in the exact same position. I see you at every race, every national. You, Tim, Davey, or you, Tim, Roy, 
everyone that's there, I know how passionate you guys are, and you have a huge responsibility responsibility in knowing, hey, we don't have these races. There's a lot of people that their livelihood will change, but at the same time, you guys don't want to lead someone unnecessarily into a bad situation. You know, I, 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 uh, I'm challenged with that every day, and we all are. You know, we everybody wants to put their head on the pillow at night and know that we did the right thing. Um, and some days you, we, we're not going to know whether we did the right thing. Maybe five years from now, we can all sit back and say, man, we blew that. Mm-hmm. Or we can sit back and say, you know, we were pretty smart, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know. You know, we're, nobody has a crystal ball. If you look at my Instagram today, um, I actually have a crystal ball on my desk. And uh, <laughs> it's been on my desk for a number of years. And the, the joke is, is go ask Tim. He's got a crystal ball. Uh, I came to work today and I picked up that damn crystal ball and I wrote out of order on it. <laughs> and, and it's, uh, uh, you know, we don't know what, what we, I can tell you that, that every day we, we try to make decisions that are best for our sport. Uh, not necessarily best for us, but but we think that if it's best for our sport, it will be best for us, right, in the long run. Mm-hmm. And and that's the philosophy that, that this group has. Um, and I'm fortunate to work for a group of people that have that that kind of passion. And uh, and I know that, you know, there's a there's a there's a lot of criticisms and I get that. Uh, and there will be more criticisms. Um, but I can tell you that, that when we all sit down and and have debate and try to, to provide leadership, it, it absolutely is done with what is best for our sport. Uh, and then, again, what's best for our sport ultimately is best for us. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple things that you had noted on earlier. There needs to be a minimum number of races to can duct a full true AMA championship. Is that minimum number six or is there more to it? Is it a fluid number, especially considering the situation? Yeah, it's, I think that the minimum number would be six. Uh, that's the, I think the way our committee feels is that if we can't get six in, um, you know, I, I think that, that when we announce that we're going to move forward, we may not announce that, we have six races, but I can tell you that I don't believe that we would start it if we didn't honestly believe that we could get six in. Mm-hmm. Um, we might be able to get nine. You know, who knows? Um, but but we wouldn't do it unless we felt confident we could get six. Back in Supercross, uh, the big thing that Dave Prater said all the time was nothing is off the table at any point. I would assume that same situation applies for you guys. There is nothing that says, hey, this track is out of the question right now. Anything at any point in time is possible. True? Yeah. You know, uh, I wouldn't have said that three months ago. Um, But we have literally talked about scenarios that no one would ever dream of talking about. Um, Pretty off-the-wall scenarios that, that, you know, most likely will never come to fruition. But uh, yeah, nothing is off the table at this point in time. Uh, every every option, uh, every venue, uh, we, we've talked about a number of different things. 
the other big thing has been fan participation, um, fan attendance, and how influential that is to the purse and any other financial responsibility that the promoter takes on. You mentioned earlier that Indiana would be half capacity just to enforce social distancing. There is no way that these races happen without fans, or is that a possibility? I can tell you that we uh, we feel that the fan experience and having fans at the event is paramount. And running without fans um, is is one of the, is the last thing that we would want to do. Um, I don't believe we would run without fans, but uh, again, going back to your point earlier, is nothing's off the table. Um, and you know, we, we look at 50% capacity. That's a pretty interesting, you know, number. What is 50%? Uh, number one, what is capacity? And just the boilerplate document, when you read these, these, uh, the back to work phase in plans that the various States have, it talks about 50% capacity. Well, what is 50% capacity at Ironman? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have stadium seats where we can tell you that, that it seats, you know, 60,000, 5,000, 3,800. What's the number? Um, so I can tell you what I've done to try to figure out where I think the number would be. And, and that's where I, I'll go in and, and measure all of the areas in which spectators can stand and watch and see the racetrack from. And I measure those areas and come up with square footage. And then I divide it by 36, which is six feet by six feet. Um, and then I, that gives me a number. And I believe that uh, that is my number. So, for instance, at uh, Ironman, you know, we might be at 9,500 and and. I don't know if that's the number or not. I'm not looking at my spreadsheet, but I'm just for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you looked at Iron Man and said, "Okay, I'm only going to sell this many this many tickets," and that number is arrived, that if if you wanted to stand six feet away from somebody, you absolutely can. And so we went to the um, through the Safe to Race Task Force and and some of our government relations people and. And we have a lady that's on that task force that was actually the uh, Homeland Security Director from from Montgomery County, Indiana, which is where Iron Man is. And she was a very instrumental part of our task force. Um, And she and I are the one that came up with that idea of how would we calculate, because these are all big open air venues that are that are more festival uh, concert type venues than it would be an amphitheater or a stadium. Um, so that's how, when we look at our, when I look at my capacity or my 50% capacity, that's the way I, I, I take my first stab at it. And as we get to, um, closer to events working with health departments, I'm sure that's where, you know, we will arrive at a number, Mm -hmm. um, whatever that number might be. Okay. What's up, this is Justin Barsha of the Monster Energy Yamaha team and I trust the Rai Helmet. I know that every helmet is handcrafted in Japan and that the people who work at Rai are obsessed with building the best helmet they can possibly can. Staying safe is a priority for me and this is why I choose Rai Helmets. 
Hey guys, Hunter Lawrence here. Lately I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails in the local area on my intense primer and the thing's badass. For how good it is going up the hill, it's uh, amazing coming down the hill. It's uh, comfortable, nimble and it doesn't feel uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds. Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome. So yeah, you're ready to get serious about training on a cross country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails or if you want to go a bit further longer and faster they they just brought out a new taser e-bike which is uh, yeah everyone's given the double thumbs up on so head down to your local intense dealer or, or purchase uh, directly at intensecycles.com check it out guys what's up this is christian craig as a motocross racer being in top physical shape is a must and my favorite way to train is cycling and whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Life podcast for additional discounts in the shop. Hey, what's up guys? Malcolm Stewart. Worst Connection has been building a best aluminum parts in a motocross for the last 30 years. From the awesome Pro Launch Start device and their original adjustable clutch perch assemblies, I am proud to use it on my Motoconcept Honda. Check them out at WorksConnection.com. What's up, Swap Moto fans? The Toyota Escondido Action Sports Team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live Show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the action sports special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. Um, limiting access to the pits for the fans was a big thing. Uh, especially though, because that adds so much more to it for my end of things. You know, am I going to be able to go between teams? Are teams going to have stricter measures enforced? You guys changed the podium presentation, everything like that. Was it nice to have the GNCC series has a testing ground for certain, you know, measures or certain restrictions? Um, they don't things. do a very good. They, they don't do a very good job at GNCC. <laughs> um, in terms of you know that's our series and I, and I help manage that series, um, but we don't have a pit area like where we can fence off. It's all open, and anyone can pretty much walk anywhere. Now the the professional teams, the KTM's and the Kawasaki teams, they have their semis and their team tents up just like Eli Tomac would have, and they have a barrier where no one can come in and. And they, they, those professional teams stay pretty isolated. Um, so I don't know that it's fair to compare them, compare the two. Um, I think that what we learned, we learned more from Supercross than we did anything. And, you know, if you think back 10 weeks ago when Supercross was getting ready to load in and, you know, all of us sat around the coffee table or the lunchroom table or, or on the Zoom call, and and uh, had our opinion as to how that would go. Uh, it actually went pretty well, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, from an outsider, you know, from West Virginia looking in, uh, I think Supercross did a really good job. I didn't think that the teams would embrace it. 
the way they did, um, but they did. And I think at the end of the day, the, the dialogue and the narrative I, I heard from the teams was that it was done rather well, and we like it. And so uh, we were actually looking at, at somewhat more of a relaxed approach uh, to our paddock. And the teams came back and said, no, we, we actually like a more restrictive approach. And so our, our plan, our, our mitigation plan, is more restrictive than we initially set out with. Um, but it is going to be different. It is going to be challenging. Uh, there are more people in a motocross pit area than a supercross pit area. Um, there are people that, that uh, you know, when you get to the privateers, uh, there, we have more privateers, which are, are groups that don't have budget like the pro teams have. They may not be used to be uh, having the restrictions. And so we're, it's going to be a challenge for us to, to get people to comply. Um, but it is our intent for everyone to wear a mask. Uh, you will not be able to go from truck to truck. Um, we are working on, you know, how our podium celebration and how our press conference uh, activities will will work. Um, we just bought ourselves some time to refine those those plans. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be different. I think it's going to be, you know, from a guy that organizes the event. My heartburn is a little different than maybe uh, yours because you're going to be there to cover the event. You have different critical paths than I have. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's going to be different than, say, Dan Fahey from Kawasaki. His agenda is a little different than yours and mine. And somehow all of our agendas have to melt together and we have to work within a structure. And that's the challenging part. Um, you know, when we lock down a pro pit at uh, – at say Ironman, uh, not only does that that means when when the rider and the family goes into the pit, that pit's locked down. Well, that's pit locked down both ways. Mm -hmm. They won't be able to come out, and the general public won't be able to come in. So, what does that mean? How are we going to accommodate that family that came in with their son that's riding their first national and? You know, they want to go watch their kid. They may not like the area that they have to watch inside the pit. But how do we allow you to go from the private pit to the public area and back to the private pit again? Um, so I think that's, you know, those are questions that we have on how, how all that flow is going to happen. You didn't have that at Supercross because you didn't have any public at Supercross. Mm -hmm. I can keep the public out. My concern as an organizer is how do I keep the private out of the public? Yeah. Not so much the public out of the private. And it's like anything that we've seen with this situation. The minute that you kind of start pulling on one thread, then you start figuring out, hey, there's five other issues that I then have to encounter. And that whole where are people going to watch from that are in the pro pits, yeah, you've basically figured out a whole new challenge that's huge because yeah. that's hundreds of people in a very – restricted space you can't go set them up and be like well some of you can go stand along the track so you can see yeah it's a, it's a huge nightmare and i to my don't envy yeah, the, any of the, you guys that have to make those decisions there's a lot of unintended consequences and there's issues that we haven't even thought about mm -hmm. and and what what we are what i think we're pretty good at uh, again 
five or 10 years from now, someone can make that decision whether we were good at it or not, but we're pretty good at adapting. And isn't this really what it's called? It's an adaptation Mm -hmm. process. I think, uh, you know, what I learned at Red Bull, uh, when Red Bull is going through their, their process, they call it an adaptation plan. Um, and so we are going to have to be able to have an adaptation plan and have a group of people that, that can, can resolve issues quickly. Um, and you know, once we get the, the ball rolling then I think it'll all work fine, but certainly there's going to be some hiccups and some issues as we get started. Okay. A few more questions and I'll let you go right now. You know, we've expected these weekly race leadership team announcements on the MX sports pro racing website. You guys will still have the weekly race leadership team calls and everything, but this isn't one of those instances where we should expect a new schedule next week or the week after that. It's going to come at some point, but just don't expect it to come right now. It will not come right now. Um, but we do, uh, you know, we, we feel that we need to give everyone 30 day notice. So if it were me, uh, I would be looking for some sort of an announcement around July 15th. Um, that week of July 15th would give us a 30 day notice. Our, you know, our intent full on intent is to go racing on August 15th right now. Mm -hmm. That's, that's where we hope to be, which is the week after Loretta Lynn's, um, that's, that's our intent. Okay. Other question I had, this is a completely different topic than the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Series, but they are intertwined. None of these issues that you guys are facing, does this put the GNCC Series into any kind of question? West Virginia races, Indiana, or is everything still good to go right now? Yeah, we actually, uh, we are, no, this, this whole thing changed. Um, um, I don't know if we've announced it yet, but it will be announced here. Um, it's probably, it's probably out by now. Uh, we were intending to run the Hoosier GNCC this next weekend, July 11th at the Ironman facility. Um, and then we were backing that up with the Ironman pro national, Mm -hmm. right? Um, now that we're not going to start on the 18th in, in Indiana for Lucas oil, AMA pro motocross, it doesn't make sense for us to run the Hoosier GNCC in Indiana because it was, it was a tremendous hardship on our team that we were going to go to Indiana, do this event, do the national. Then we had to come back to West Virginia, reload the trucks and head to Loretta Lynn's to get, uh, Loretta Lynn's going. So, uh, if we haven't announced it yet, you will, you will see it rather quickly that, that Hoosier GNCC venue is going to be changed to the high voltage venue, which is in Pennsylvania. Um, and we ran the high voltage last year. That was our makeup, our rain event makeup on July 11th. So, uh, yes, you're going to see some changes and the GNCC high voltage event will take place on July 11th in, uh, uh, right outside of Morgantown, West Virginia, near, near that high point Mason Dixon, area uh that will be a better accommodate our team so that we can get ready and get down to loretta lens uh the other unintended consequence that happened out of all this is that when we scheduled that hoosier gncc we had no choice but to lay it on top 
of the IXCR series, which is a cross-country series that uh, runs in Indiana, much like GNCC. Uh, and we ended up landing on their date, and we couldn't switch it, and so they switched their days. They were going to run IXCR the same weekend, but run ATVs while we're running bikes and running bikes while we run ATVs. So that will relieve the pressure for that series, and they're they're good friends of ours. Uh, they've always been co-sanctioned with us, so we are going to see a change to the GNCC series. Now, in the fall, um, the GNCC series will be back on schedule uh, for the fall. The venues are all the same, with exception of the uh, the fall Tomahawk event, which was going to be in New York, is now Snowshoe, but that change was made back in I think March or April mm -hmm. uh, that's been on the schedule. And then it is our intent that GNCC will have to move into November to get our 13th round in the venue is yet to be selected, but it will be somewhere in the South, South Carolina, Georgia, maybe even Florida uh, in November. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, with that question then goes to Loretta's as it is right now, no major changes on that front either. Um, no major changes. There are changes. Um, we will be having that announcement in the next several days. Um, there is going to be some restriction on camping, um, meaning that the, the numbers of camping of campsites are, are going to be a bit restricted. Um, nothing for our racers. Our racers are hopefully will have the same experience they've always had. Um, but we will have a limited number of campsites available to non-racers and just people that, that want to come. Um, we're going to have some restriction on pit vehicles permits. Um, those are, those are going to change a bit. Uh, they will, uh, as of right now, you'll have to wear a mask in areas that you cannot social distance. Uh, so one would ask where those areas, the staging area and starting line and mechanics area are areas that you cannot social distance. So you'll have to have a mask on there. Um, there would be several other areas around the racetrack that will deem uh, that you have to have a mask on if you're going to go into those those locations. Other than that, um, you can stretch out if you like. Um, you could, you know, if you didn't want to sit next to the guy next to you, you can move somewhere else and watch and still plenty of room to watch. Um, and that would will all comply with uh, uh, the state of Tennessee guidelines, um, their back-to-work guidelines. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see some changes at Loretta's, but they're not wholesale significant changes as of yet. Okay. We're, we're trying to – we want to make it as normal as we can. You know, the, the main focus here is to, to uh, provide a national championship to continue the historic values that, that Loretta's means and to the AMA. Um, and so we will continue to do what we've always done, uh, try to be more mindful. And I'll add that, you know, as I go to the, the Loretta Lynn regionals and I've been to the last four weeks, I've been to Loretta Lynn regionals. Um, you find a group of people that are a lot more sympathetic now than they have been. Um, you have some people that are, that are uh, you know, they're still contrary and don't want to comply or, or think it's silly. Um, and we're going to have to deal with people like that. But for the most part, I think that 
that most of our motocross racing families are very grateful that we're able to go back racing and are willing to do just about anything to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our, our narrative will be, uh, let's, let's, let's comply. Let's be compliant. Let's help one another. Um, you know, we don't want people to come that are sick. Uh, we don't want people to come that are vulnerable. Um, we're all, you know, we all have a doctorate degree in COVID-19 now. We've all been studying it and learning it and living it for how long. So, um, you know, we're, we'll, we'll start our campaign here shortly uh, and encourage those types of people that, that are not healthy or, or vulnerable to stay home and enjoy it on Racer TV. Our Racer TV coverage will still uh, be covering uh, nearly all the motos and uh so there's you know there's opportunities for people to to watch mm-hmm. and i agree with you completely i understand the challenge that you guys are are up against with trying to get people to comply with wearing a mask and keeping their distance and not going to places from my half and i'm you know i agree with you the amount of effort that you guys have put in it's very disrespectful to buck those rules and not adhere to them because everything hinges on this going off successfully. It was the same thing in Utah. You know, if we didn't wear the mask, the CDC could have came in and shut the whole thing down. So yeah, yeah. I, I do agree with you guys and, and anybody that attends these things, Hey man, if you go wear the mask, comply with the rules because all of this stuff has been a massive, massive undertaking for everyone at MX sports to get done please do not ruin the fun for everybody by being the one difficult or difficult person or group that's there. All right, Tim, last question. And it does pertain to the schedule thing too. Like GNCC that can go later in the year, there is no hard cutoff time for you guys. I've heard that, you know, it's not like we're going to try to wrap this thing up in Labor Day weekend or anything. We can go all the way into October for pro motocross, correct? We can, we, we can certainly go into the first part of October. Um, going later than that, uh, create some some issues um we are uh we, we have we have laid the groundwork to go a little deeper in october i'm not so sure we're able to do that but but uh i think that uh that that you you know if we're able to get back running if we're able to to get a series in you will see us uh at least in the first week of october um and maybe the second. Um, so yeah, yeah, you'll see us into the fall. Okay. Hey Tim, thank you very much for all this. I appreciate it. We'll be looking forward Anytime. to. More, we'll be looking forward to more information from the race leadership team and MX Sports and Race Productions as these next few weeks go on.